All right, so let's talk about what happened on President's Day. Uh, usually a very, very slow news day. Yesterday was not a slow news day. Joe Biden goes to Kiev and, and he does something that I don't believe that any American president has done maybe since, no, I don't even think, ever? Went into a, an active mm -hmm. you know, war zone where there were no American soldiers around. I mean, there were no American troops there with him. You know, the air cover had to stop at the border. He had a 10-hour train ride there and back. And it was uh, rather extreme. I mean, usually these things yeah. are just photo ops. But, man, th this thing was more than just your your regular photo op. So what do you make of Joe Biden going to Ukraine? I thought it was brilliant. It was, first of all, it was a real thing. It wasn't a photo op, okay? He took real Right, it risks. was a thing. No joke, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it could, something bad could <laughs> have happened. So he was, A, he was brave. That's very real. I admire that. Two, you know, it's not easy at any age. I'm a terrible traveler. When I have to go across time zones, you know, I'm, I'm really bad at it. I, it takes me a day or two to recover when I go to Europe, for example. But, you know, he left at 4 a.m. on Sunday and he then gets to Poland, flies to Poland, then gets on this train for 10 or 11 hours. He didn't get any sleep. They said it was just really hard to sleep. And, you know, then he has to go do the whole rest of his foreign trip, which is 10 days long. That's tough. And God bless him. I mean, as he would say, right, that he's able to do that at 80. I don't think I could do it now. Right. So right. that's impressive. But finally, you know, OK, that's trivial compared to the biggest point, which is Biden, for all his faults, and he has many, but he understands in his bones the significance of this struggle and he is conveying that. He does. Right? I mean, that that we have to be on the side of the country that was aggressed against, the country that is upholding democracy and human rights and liberty against the aggressive fascistic power that Russia represents. And that, you know, this is the struggle of our time. And he is willing to put things on the line for that. And, um, you know, I've been critical. That I, th I thought he should have done more to sort of bring the American people to this view. But it gives mm -hmm. me, I, I mean, it gives me so much reassurance to know how much he feels it. And this trip really demonstrates that. I, I completely agree. Uh, Elliot Cohen, I thought, had a very powerful piece in The Atlantic, and he wrote, yeah. Symbols matter. A Kennedy or a Reagan at the Berlin Wall, a Churchill with a cigar and a bowler. For that matter, a green-clad Zelensky growling, I need ammunition, not a ride. Simply by taking this hazardous trip to Kiev, Biden made a strategic move of cardinal importance. I think that's exactly right. This This felt like a world historical event. You know, even setting aside all of the hype, because he's putting not just himself, uh, but his entire presidency on the line for Ukraine. But also, this is the full faith and credit of the United States and the West. And he's drawn this line. And you know the thing about it, Mona? This was not inevitable. You know, Joe Biden, you know, has a, I mean, let's be honest about it. You know, the, the Joe Biden, you know, before he became president, had a pretty shaky record on, on foreign policy. It's he true. was also part of the Obama administration, which, and I know we're going to get some pushback on this, but 
decided to look the other way back in 2014 when Vladimir Putin swallowed up Crimea. This is not the first time that he has gone, you know, that he's invaded Ukraine. And yet, right. you know, that ad- he was part of an administration that basically said, yeah, we're not going to go all in in, in supporting Ukraine. So you've seen the evolution of Joe Biden in real time in a very dramatic fashion. And it really felt like it culminated uh, this week. Agreed. You know, it may well be the the thing that he'll be remembered in history for, you know, that that, that image of him in Kiev. It could be. Well, in my newsletter, I said, of course, we heard from the usual useful idiots, and I linked to uh, a piece that you wrote, since you actually written a book about useful idiots. But <laughs> before we get to Ron DeSantis, who also weighed in on all of this, you know, I wanted to make a couple of points in my newsletter about, you know, the Republicans, um, you know, in Trump world and why it's never going to give Ukraine the support it needs or Biden the credit is, you know, first of all, there are no mega anti-war doves. Let's make that clear. None of them are, are pacifists. You know, there are a few handful of people who are genuinely, you know, America first isolationists. They're still out there. There are a few that are actually, you know, Putin fanboys because they, they you know, have this kink for authoritarian strong men who, you know, have the penchant for lying and brutality. But now we're getting to a bigger number. A lot of them in the GOP are anti-Zelensky because they're pro-Trump. And of course, they're all anti-Biden. They have to be against Biden. But see, this is the key thing. If you acknowledge that this is this just war and that Ukraine's on the front line of democracy, then these MAGA critics would also have to, to acknowledge that Zelensky's this Churchillian figure who is like the leader of the free world. And for Trump world, that's impossible. Because remember, if Trump's presidency is defined by his relationship with Putin, Biden is now defined by his relationship with Zelensky, the guy that Trump tried to shake down for political dirt. I mean, Zelensky was the key, you know, character at the center of Trump's first impeachment trial. That's right. And now he's walking side by side with Joe Biden at the best moment of Joe Biden's presidency. So you see the problem why you can't acknowledge that. And Ron DeSantis, who's just desperately trying not to be outflanked on his right. You know, if you're wondering, you know, why was he so weak on all of this? So, Mona, yeah, I mean, DeSantis has said nothing about this until until yesterday. And he could have taken a Nikki Haley position. He could have taken the position that Mitch McConnell is taking. He could have said what Lindsey Graham says. Instead, eh, you know. My colleague, Damon Linker, who is one of the regulars on my uh, Beg to Differ podcast, has um, made the point a couple weeks ago that, uh, you know, the Republican Party's position on Ukraine is in equipoise at the moment, where there are some, as you just outlined, who are, you know, ready to throw in with Putin. There are some who are just isolationists, and there are some who just, you know, who are pro-Ukraine, but then, you know, and then there's this middle group who have made up their minds. And so, The direction that DeSantis goes is critical because he has tremendous support, so far it seems anyway, and obviously that can change. But if he were to come out and take a strong, you know, position supporting Ukraine to the hilt, he could have, first of all, influenced the Republican Party. And second, he could have made an excellent contrast with Trump. You know, I mean, it was an open opportunity. But what I, you know, when we were discussing this, I was, it was on the tip of my tongue and I didn't say it, but I, what I was thinking was, okay, that's, that's probably right. 
but that that DeSantis, which way he jumps, will be important. I said, but have we ever seen DeSantis do something in contradiction to the the MAGA base ever? Yep. Exactly right. And so this week, and Amanda Carpenter has a really good piece in the bulwark outlining what he said. You know, it was shameful, uh, the words he used, you know, and he sounded completely like Chamberlain. You know, oh, we don't have to worry about right. Oh, everybody said Russia was going to be aggressive. Nah, there's, you know, nothing to worry about. And then he also did the complete BS about how, you know, Biden only cares about Ukraine's border, not our border. And it was the most disgusting display. It was all boiler. It felt just very boilerplate, too. It was like every single MAGA talking point. But again, you know, this is his big foreign policy debut. And, you know, he blames Biden for the war because his weakness, this wouldn't have happened except for the weakness of Joe Biden. Okay, can I just interrupt right there on that point? I mean, that point is not, I don't like them making it. And I certainly don't think they should make it, you know, when Biden just did this fantastic thing by going to Kiev. That point isn't completely crazy. I mean, serious people have speculated that if Biden had not pulled out of Afghanistan the way he did, maybe Putin might not have felt like he could just roll into Ukraine. Who knows? To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. So it's kind of a, a non 